Hello and welcome back to Tevating Patiently, the appreciation podcast that highlights, dives deeper, and celebrates the work and accomplishments of our Tony-winning national treasure, Aaron Tevate. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and today's episode is all about another night spent at the Rouge. When Harold Liedler says that Moulin Rouge is a state of mind, he is so, so right. It is a state of mind that I never, ever want to leave, and I feel so fortunate that I have been able to return to that state of mind multiple times. Prior to Sunday's February 19th show, I have been back to see Aaron in Moulin Rouge twice. But that was never the initial plan. It was when he first announced his return, this 19th show, this was the first and only one that we had purchased tickets for. It was over the long weekend, and it just seemed like it would be the best time to go and have coverage for the kids and not worry about school and all that other stuff. But, I mean, as we know by now, the FOMO for Aaron Tveit is real. So I feel very fortunate that I was able to get to the Rouge for Aaron's first night back and Saul's final show. And I have two more shows on the agenda, but let's be honest, that number could easily change. But for this latest show, we had seats in my favorite spot in the theater. Orchestra left right in front of where Aaron lifts the sign to start the show. I mean, if you know me by now, my love for the sign raise runs deep. It literally just sets the stage for the entire show, and we were staying a block away from the theater, so of course, once we got into the city and settled, I wanted to walk to the theater and see it. Like, yes, I had just been there two weeks prior, but... It's a comfort space. It just, it's a place that brings so much joy and has sparked so many new friendships and relationships over these last few months. It's, it's just a place that I have so many, like, joyful thoughts and moments and memories, and I just want to be there all the time. But after the theater, it was off to Times Square, and we found that billboard of Aaron and Ashley and the photos that they have taken and put out of Aaron and Ashley and that are used in this billboard, they are nothing short of spectacular and they take my breath away anytime I see them anywhere. And I don't know if this is happening to you, but my Instagram and Facebook, like they, yeah, they like listen to you and they stalk what you're saying, but are they not aware that I know that Moulin Rouge is happening and that Aaron Tveit is back because the amount of ads that flood my feed daily It's insane. Like, I'm not upset about it. I'll take all the Moulin Rouge content I can possibly get, but it just makes me laugh every time that it comes through. Like, yes, I am well aware of what is happening with Aaron Tveit and Moulin Rouge. But anyway, prior to the show, my husband and I, we had tickets for the VIP room. And while waiting outside for the theater for that to open, we caught the Duc de Monroth, David Harris. And he was one that I was really hoping to be able to catch at stage door after the show. But catching him beforehand, just us and him, and being able to take a photo without like that whole rushed, crowded feeling, it was special. And he was so kind and gracious, and that just made me even more excited to see his take on the Duke. Have you done the VIP room at the Rouge? If you hadn't, I'd highly suggest it. Yes, it's an additional cost, but I'd say it's worth it. Just to even have that time before the show to sip some champagne, relax, instead of waiting in line outside and then rushing to beat the long lines of the Hirschfeld bathrooms. Ladies especially, you know what I'm talking about. 
The private bathrooms alone are worth the price, but our VIP experience was really intimate because there were only two other couples in the room besides us that night. And I know that that's not the norm, but it definitely made it feel more special. Walking into the actual theater for the show takes my breath away every time. I still find myself just standing there, looking up and down and all around as if it was the first time in there. There's so much to take in and just that anticipation of sitting in your seat and waiting for Aaron to walk in at the end of the pre-show. You just, it's like a hold your breath moment. And then he appears and there's the exhale. Bobby Day was on on Sunday for Harold Ziedler, so it was fun to see his face pop through that curtain with the hello chickens. And I couldn't wait for those bohemians to run up on stage right in front of me for burning down the house. And once they did, they were standing there looking around and Aaron and I made contact, eye contact and I may have died a little. The joy that that first number sparks is everything. Just the whole ensemble on stage, Aaron's little dance moves throughout. It's so great. In the Playbill article that came out on February 20th, Aaron was asked what's different for him returning to the show this time around. And he said that this time the first act just seems to fly by and, quote, maybe I've released some things from myself to really be able to go on a ride and get pinballed around as this stranger in a strange land when I start the show, end quote. I love this description of him being a pinball moving around because it's so accurate and watching him this time around, there's such a wonder in his eyes and in his facial expressions as Toulouse pulls him around the stage for burning down the house. He adds shy smiles when he comes in contact with the can-can dancers. And then when he comes to Mamatra, he's just filled with wonder and curiosity when he encounters Toulouse and Santiago. He really portrays how new this world of Paris and the Moulin Rouge is to him throughout the first act. And just seeing how Aaron has developed and adapted the role to make it more of his own every performance is just something to behold. From our seats, we had a clear view of Ashley coming down on the swing as Satine and Christian up in the box with Toulouse and Santiago. And his little wave to her when he first sees her and they make eye contact, it has moved up the list as one of my favorite moments in the show. Just the innocence of it all and the relatability of it. Like, we've probably all had those experiences when we see someone that we like and we shyly wave or say hi. And going back to Aaron's previous playbill quote about being pinballed around, that comes back during the shut up and dance scene when he's with Satine and she gestures for him to go and climb up the diamond and she walks up with such ease and grace while he basically climbs on his hands and knees and looks around nervously at the top and then he wants to get back down. He's just so innocent throughout all of Act 1, which of course is beautiful, but... It's also heartbreaking knowing what's coming for him in Act 2. Ashley and Aaron's elephant love medley is what dreams are made of. And one of my favorite moments in that medley is when they mimic each other. First in the chairs when Christian mimics Satine's movements, and then when they're standing and Christian draws the heart with his fingers and Satine mimics that, and then they come together for the such great heights. Genius so good and right before act two I turned to my husband and told him buckle up 
Act two is always such a ride, and during Aaron's opening monologue, he tells us to think back and remember that first love. And he says, all of this will make much more sense if you remember that madness. And each time I've seen the show, that line has gotten a little reaction out of the audience. It's like in that moment, the audience makes that connection to Christian and their own lives and what that madness of first love is really like. And it doesn't matter how many times I've seen the show or how many times I will see the show. The choreography of backstage romance will never not blow me away. Just the way it starts with the ensemble walking in on Nini and Santiago, Satine and Christian sneaking that kiss in the dressing behind the dresses and the clothes, and then Christian, Toulouse, Duke, Satine walking in on opposite sides, the tension and the love triangle, it's so real. And I wonder what goes on in Aaron's head, if anything, each night when he's getting launched across that stage. In the Playbill article, he says he tries to stay focused in the moment and not think of other things, but I wonder if in that moment he's ever like, oh shit. If you've seen the show already, did you notice or have you noticed that during Only Girl in the World, when Satine is changing outfits, Ashley doesn't always get lifted in the air for that change anymore? This past Sunday she did, she was lifted for that part, but the other two times I've seen the show she was not. She was just changed as she stood still. And someone had commented about that lift taking a toll on her body, especially with her having Lyme disease, and she's become very open in talking about that, which is just another reason that she is an absolute queen. But that makes sense. But it was exciting to see her get lifted for that part since that's such a cool quick change moment in the show. However, the quick change that tops that one is the leather trench coat reveal that Aaron does in Chandelier. Just that spin behind the ladder and then him emerging completely wasted and out of his mind, realizing Satine is gone and he is in deep. And I say this every time, but Roxanne, again, will never not spark an emotional reaction. Like, it just will. Just how quiet he starts off after his initial shout of Roxanne, and then he runs forward with the, it's more than I can stand. I mean, Jesus. Also, his drunken walk across the catwalk has also leveled up. About halfway through, he starts to get this deranged smile on his face, and he tosses his head back, and then he wobbles as if almost losing his balance before reaching the platform, indicating how far gone he actually is, and then the look that he gives when he reaches that platform. That look is absolutely soul-piercing. He is in another realm by that point, and it's absolutely unreal. It's unreal all the time, but seeing it from up close really just takes your breath away. Aaron has been making little tweaks to how he sings different notes throughout his songs this time around, especially in Roxanne and in Crazy Rolling. In Roxanne, yes, there's the opt-up, but there's also this way that he has been singing Dear Life when he jumps forward on the stage. Listen.
Crazy Rolling, he has added his own little opt-up movement there. And he has this chuckle when he says, don't underestimate the things that I could do. Hold on. Finally, I can see you crystal clear. So go ahead and sell me out and I'll lay your ship there. See how I need with every piece of you. Don't underestimate the things that I would do. There's a fire starting in my heart. Reaching a fever, pushing and springing me out the dark. I just think it's amazing how Aaron goes to these lengths to ensure that no two performances or shows are exactly the same, and he's been adding these little moments, looks, lines, and notes to make everything he does even more spectacular. Like, how is that even possible? But speaking of adding lines, I posted about this on my Instagram stories the other night, but need to talk about it here too because it's really stuck with me. On Sunday, in the final scene with Christian and Satine, Christian is crying and he shouts, Look at me, Satine. Why else live if not for love? And then he points the gun at himself. Satine then threw up her hands and she started singing, Come What May. And Christian looked up at her and whispered, What are you doing? While shaking his head and having this, that heartbroken look in his eyes. And that little line of, What are you doing? broke me. Like Christian was in such a dark, dark place. He isn't aware that Satine has turned the Duke away, that his last encounter with her was in the Duke's home where she told him he was nothing. So he's heartbroken, only to hear her sing their song, their vow to each other, to him. And in that moment, that's what seems to snap him out of the darkness to where he eventually lowers the gun. And I'm not sure if that moment is new or if I was just finally close enough to really hear it, but wow. And that moment and quote from the Playbill interview sparked a conversation between a friend and I the other day. In the Playbill article, it stated that Aaron believes that Christian, who loves and loses, ultimately embraces Satine's cynicism by the end of Moulin Rouge. To him, Satine's death is a gift because, quote, she allows him to go this new way, end quote. The article goes on to say that Aaron thinks that Christian stops believing in happy endings. How do you feel about that? Do you think he stops believing? Do you think Satine was a cynic? When my friend and I spoke about this, we both felt like Christian was optimistic again by the end of Moulin Rouge with how the months had passed and he started writing again, which is what he had done throughout his love story with Satine. Like, yes, Christian goes dark in Act 2, but that come-what-may moment at the end with Satine is where he seems to break out of that darkness when he realizes that she still loves him. And to us, my friend and I, Satine was more of a realist, not as much of a cynic. 
Like Christian had this optimistic fairy tale mindset and she would bring him back to earth. She fell in love with him after all and she gave up that safe option of the Duke to spend her final moments with Christian. So it definitely surprised us to read that Aaron's perspective was, you know, a little more down on Christian and Satine. But personally, I want to hold on to my perspective that Christian still believes in happy endings. Maybe he knows now that he's had his one true love, but I can't bear to think of him no longer believing in love. Thank you so much for listening today and for your continued support of this podcast. It really means so, so much. If you haven't done so already, please follow and subscribe on your podcast platform so you can get notified of new episodes. And also, if you're looking for more fun Aaron content, follow me on Instagram at Tivating underscore patiently and on TikTok at Tivating patiently. Hope to have you back here for episode 35. Until